Today, we're going to talk about black and white portraits, tour life, and some humanitarian work with Zach Whitford on Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazel. Nice to have you joining us, and I've got a great show lined up for you today. Before we get into it, a couple of quick reminders. As with all the shows, the show notes for this show can be found at BehindTheShot.tv. When you're there, just find this episode. I've written a little blurb about my guest. I've got a small gallery of his work so that you can kind of see all the different types of stuff that Zach photographs. And uh, all the links for you to subscribe to the podcast, which, by the way, you can get wherever you get your podcasts in an audio-only format or a video format if that service supports video. For example, Spotify does not support video. Spotify listeners, you're going to have to listen to the podcast. But if you're on Apple Podcasts or something like that, you can get the audio only or the video version of the show. As well, if you're watching on YouTube, show notes are also down below the subscribe and like button. So head on down there. All the links for Zach are there or in the show notes. But again, I've got a little bit more written over at the blog post, so if you head down there, it makes it a little bit easier. So let's jump right into my guest. I'm excited for this one. I may be talking really, really fast today. That's a sign that I'm excited. I want to welcome to the show, Zach Woodford. Zach, how are you? I'm doing fine, Steve. How are you? I'm doing really, really good. I have been, we were talking in the quote unquote green room uh, before we went on. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. And and what I, what I, I like about, watching your work as you post it, for example, through Instagram is you shoot a lot of different things and yet there's a real commonality in your work. You're, you're a documentary photographer based in LA, commercial photographer, event photographer, and music photographer. And I, I think I want to start with you with that breadth and depth of what you shoot. Do you realize that in each one of those genres that you participate in, the common thread that seems to exist in your work? Well, I mean, thank you for saying that. Um, the answer is no, I do not. It's something that it, it's legitimately a concern of mine. I mean, even yesterday I was, I was thinking about that, you know. Um, so I'm very happy to hear that. And, and also just, I wanted to thank you for, for having me today. Um, I, uh, it, it was really refreshing to, to, you know, know about, learn about your concept of how we, how this works and, and that we are focusing on, on sort of the, the, I've done things like this interviews or podcasts. And so many of them are, are sort of like these gear centric discussions and, and don't get me wrong. I can talk gear all day, but yeah. It's just, it, I really, uh, I, I appreciate the format. So thank you. Um, but no, I, I, I truly am not aware of that. So I'm happy to hear that you think that because that's very uh, validating to me. You you said two things just now that I need to dive deeper on. Number one is I agree. I can talk gear all day, mm. but I'm sorry. There are people out there right now with an iPhone or a Pixel right. that are making amazing artwork and I don't look, it, it, it's kind of like I always tell people, ignore the noise. And, and I mean the noise in two different ways. Ignore the noise in your photo because nobody else is looking at it. And two, ignore the noise that comes from the world around you. Because I look at the iconic photos of our life, or at least my life because I'm older. I look at the iconic photos in photography history. They're all noisy as hell. And nobody goes, well, I mean, 
I don't right. know. <laughs> right? They look at they the, look the at, dynamic range. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you know, they blew out the highlights, man. Nobody right. does that for an iconic photo. And I don't think anybody look you know, shooting with, you know, great work with an iPhone, I I don't really care if it if it moves me. So that that was one thing. But then you said something else. You said that you don't see the commonality in all of your work, the the various genres of your work, but you were thinking about it the other day. Yesterday. That's really fascinating. So so you you're you're aware of of wanting it, is that it? The awareness is more so of just, you know, being consistent and working in so many different okay. facets of the of the industry of the art form and then having a consistency uh wanting to have a consistency because i feel yeah. like that is so important you know that the that w the work we're generating is consistently you know to a certain point uh regardless of the subject matter or you know what we're doing to appease a client or ourselves um no, so. that makes total sense. In fact, the show that's going to air right before this one, we we actually called it because of my guest came up with an idea and I ended up naming it Finding Your Creative Voice. And really what you're talking mm. about is whatever you're shooting, and they may be completely different images or processes or whatever, but it still has Zach's voice behind it, kind of like a band in a way where we always say, that's totally different than their last album, but I still know that it's a I'll use the example Aerosmith album, you know, whatever it is, mm. um, you know, you, you, you know, Robert Plant, whether he's singing with Allison Krauser and Zeppelin is a good example. Right. Yeah. Which that brings me example. to that creative spark part because researching you was fascinating. You studied <laughs> acting when you were younger and I, I think it was in your bio or maybe it was in some other article. I read about you a quote that one of your acting teachers said, as actors, you are investigators of humanity. Yeah. That's powerful. It seems like that quote changed your life. Am I, based on everything I've seen, am I right about that? It did. Um, you know, it, it, it rang loudly. Uh, and then, you know, it wasn't, it was like a decade later once I, I picked up the camera and was serious about it. And, and it just was, I was bit by the bug very, very rapidly and became quite obsessed with photography that it was kind of a couple years into shooting when, when I was reminded of that, uh, of that quote and how much it, how, how it really rang true for whatever it was that I was doing, this strange sudden motivation I had to, uh, to just, you know, seek out something that, you know, I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but it was this, you know, seeing the world with, with new eyes and just being aware of all of this nuance and detail and, and, and just this, this fascination that I had with human behavior. And then also just this, the more people I photographed and the more places that, that commonality between people that, that, you know, everyone is essentially the same. Um, and the more places you visit, the more people you encounter, the more glaring that becomes. And, and you, you know, and it's just frustrating to 
you know, you hear about all of this conflict, you know, just outside our doors and, and this just oh, this tribalism that occurs, you know, with between people and, you know, those people that live on the other side of the hill or, you right. know, they're, they're bad because they live on the other side of the hill when, you know, and it's like, well, if you went and spent some time with them and you'd see that that probably isn't the case. And it, yeah, it's so it's amazing. You know, you just, again, you touched on a lot of things I want to go into. I, we could go down rabbit holes all day long, um, <laughs> but it's true in that it's it, again, music is coming to mind for, for a number of reasons, but you know, it's the old sting. Russians love their children. True. The, the truth is everybody wakes up, everybody looks at a sunrise, everybody. And yet we still have yeah. this, this internal conflict as humans. I would argue that quote, uh, as actors, you are investigators of humanity, which again is just that—that that is literally a brilliant line. It's great. I would argue that that's creatives as a whole, and I might even argue that as photographers, that even holds a little bit more true, because it is—it is one thing as an actor to portray um, a moment, meaning a minute, five minutes, an hour. It's a completely different thing as photographers to freeze a moment in time. Mm. And have that frozen moment properly reflect the humanity that you are trying, the, the story of that humanity you're trying to tell. Uh, it's, it's like trying to hit pause on a DVR and you never get somebody looking attractive when you hit pause on a DVR. It's really <laughs> hard to get that moment. Um, you're a music photographer, as I mentioned before, commercial yes. photographer, music photographer. As a music photographer myself, that's how I found you. And you're well known. You're the tour photographer of Aerosmith is probably how you're best known. Your dad is mm. uh, the guitarist in the band, Brad. Mm -hmm. I've known a lot of tour photographers. It's tour photography, and, and a lot of them are close friends of mine. Tour photography is a unique beast. Does your tour photography change in that you're related to a band member? Is your job effectively still or treated as such as though you were just a, a, another member of the tour? Does that dynamic change at all where your dad is is a member of the band? Or is it odd that your dad's for you? Well, the way I got my foot in the door in terms of becoming a tour photographer for Aerosmith was it was around 2011. Uh, my father had hurt his shoulder lifting something at home, you know, and, uh, around that time, some, uh, some of the band members, they had assistants or people that would just kind of, you know, help them travel, help keep them organized, knock on their door when it was time to, you know, uh, check out and bring the bags down, et cetera, et cetera. So what I did was I sort of pitched to the band, um, you know, well, Brad doesn't, my, you know, my father, I said, Brad doesn't have anyone helping him and his, his shoulders hurt. Uh, so, you know, why don't I come along on the road with him and I can help him and I could take pictures maybe. So when I first started, when I first started shooting them, um, I sort of had to, you know, build that level of trust to a degree. And, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, I, you know, and I really, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just, uh, shooting from the pit as you do. And I was fortunate enough that because of the band knowing me and, and, you know, 
uh, all of them being extended family, essentially, um, I was able to shoot the whole show. I wasn't I wasn't relegated to the first three songs. And it wasn't long before Steven Tyler said to me, I think after one show, he said, uh, you got to get up on the stage, man. You got to get up on the stage. That's where the best shots happen. And I went, okay, uh, sure. So I did. And I did it too much to the point where at the end of one show, he said to me, what are you doing You're on the stage too much? And I said, okay, okay. So I started to sort of uh, feel out, you know, how to do that and, you know, when to be invisible and when not to be. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it um, I kind of, uh, I kind of snaked my way in, in a regard, but it, it didn't take long to, to develop, you know, the rapport and, and, and uh, the trust. It's it's so. interesting because it is a difficult world to navigate for a lot of people. Um, yeah, you know, being being an artist is difficult in and of itself. Let alone being photographed all the time. To have somebody in the band that has that much experience also coaching you where it's okay, where it's not, what those boundaries are. Uh, that's a lesson, my friend. So I, I want to kind of go into that that combination of life and art a little bit because looking mm. at your website. Again, you shoot a lot of different things. You have four galleries on your website, street, music, portraits, lifestyle, right? Yeah. If you had to pick one, what would it be? Street. Why? That was quick. I mean, that was, <laughs> you didn't even think that's, about it. It was street. That's how I started. That's, that's my, that's where I returned to. I mean, that's how I don't get burnt out on now that photography is is my job and you know living in LA and I'm fortunate enough to live in a town and 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 have worked to a point where I can I I have an agency that helps me that basically finds me work and I just I just go I show up I'm like a hired gun so to speak and you know a lot of it is great some of it is work and right. I, I I have I can always go right out onto the street with my camera and a 35 millimeter prime and, uh, and, and really enjoy myself. Uh, and that's what I started. That's, you know, when I first suddenly got into photography in around 2011, you know, I was working in an office in Hollywood and, and kind of a soul sucking job. Um, and, you know, in my lunch breaks, I would go out onto the street and just take pictures. And, and, you know, if I go back and look at those first images that I shot, it's, I'm, it's kind of shocking uh, to me personally, because um, if I had to try and remember without looking at them, I would have imagined it took me a long time to maybe grow the the balls to be photographing people and get right up in their faces. But I was doing it from from right, kind of right off the bat, which I, I really I do not know where I got so recklessly brave. Um but Probably because I had had a beer at lunch or something like that. That helps you, though, it seems like in some of your documentary, more humanitarian work, which, by the way, your humanitarian stuff's awesome. Thank you. When I look at your your you know travel photography, humanitarian photography, documentary photography, it, does that circle back to that curiosity about the human condition? Is that what's is that what's showing through in that work? Yeah, I'd say, you know, to to quote my acting teacher again, you know, as actors, you are investigators of humanity. Uh, and to frame it that way, you know, it, that wasn't more just so like, 
oh, that's what I am as an actor. It's like, well, that's, that's what I am. That's just, that's the thing that I just, I, I don't know. I love the most. I, I'm so deeply fascinated with what it is that makes us human and, and that we, we live in this very mysterious place and we all, we all don't know this one big question and we all sort of just, or we don't know the answer to this one big question and, and, uh, everyone just sort of like does their thing and, and for this brief amount of time and, and uh, almost without acknowledging the mystery of it all. And I, I like to acknowledge the mystery of it all and, and, and try to focus on that. And I just, and there's so much beauty in those moments of that are often found in art and performance art and things like dance, these just, and, and music. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, the experience that you can share with complete strangers while you're watching and listening to, to live music is, is so unique. It's so powerful. Um, but those moments that, that can almost be contained into a brief moment that, that can occur randomly and out on the street, um, and just those sort of like almost like cos the cosmic humor that can be witnessed in a juxtaposition that occurs just out in the world in everyday life. And it happens just for a moment. And I'm kind of I, I, I feel I'm like a hunter of that. And, I, and it's addictive. There's. You just alluded to something that hit me, and that is a shared energy is really what you're talking about. Like you said, you can share this moment with complete strangers at a, at a concert. My favorite part of any show that I'm shooting is about 30 seconds before the band hits the stage. Mm. Because I'm I'm generally in a pit. I'm on stage periodically, but it's not as common as a tour photographer. But I, I'm a venue shooter too. So, mm -hmm. um, And I have some friends that are in bands and I get to go on stage because I know know the manager of the band. But, but not, you know, not as often as you. But still, when you're in a photo pit and about 30 seconds before a band hits the stage, there is an energy of the audience knowing Mm. it's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And that energy is infectious, right? Mm. It is a shared experience without, without spoken word, which I, I, I love. I, I think that's one of the most magical things, at least in my life. I mentioned early on that at least to me, I see a common thread in all of your work across genres. You use angles really, really well. You, you. you use leading lines a lot. Uh, again, leading lines, but sometimes the angles aren't the leading lines. It's this weird kind of juxtaposition. You layer a lot in your images, a lot like a landscape photographer. Like you're really, really good in shots where most people wouldn't think about, I want a foreground subject, a mid-ground subject, and a background subject, and yet your shots have them. I'm curious, is that conscious, the way that you use the angles and leading lines? Is it just innate to your um, to, to your shooting style and personality and it's subconscious? It's, it, no, I mean, I, had, I took a painting class in high school and, and my teacher was really, really clear with me that I was just, I did not understand composition. <laughs> Really? And I remember thinking, well, what is it? <laughs> I don't understand. Truly, I don't get it. Um, and I, I don't know. I uh, I feel like 
I, I love I love the idea that the um, the thing that you can usually find in a well composed photograph is actually the Fibonacci sequence. This sort of the math, spiral. yeah, the golden ratio. This math in nature thing, you know, um, and that fascinates me. That you know, you take you take a photo or a painting or whatever, and, you know, something about it. It's just, it please, it's pleasing to you. And it's the composition. Um, and usually when that's the case, you the, the, gold, the spiral, the golden ratio can be applied, usually in multiple ways. Um, I don't know. I, I uh, yeah, I, I, it just sort of happens. Um, and I'll usually, a lot of the time, those leading lines and things like that, I'll become aware after the fact. Wow. Aware that they're there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I'm pretty, I, and I shoot pretty quickly. I'm very, I, I'm pretty rapid. So I'll, it's, it's luck. You know, granted, you're also, you know, you're, you're all, you're not seeing, you know, all the like bad photos I'm taking. Right, I'm not, right. <laughs> yeah. What, what's the there. old quote? Ju don't, don't judge. Uh, I, I got to remember the quote now, but it's something to the effect of, you know, you're seeing everybody else's highlight reel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody yeah. shares the 900 shots they took. If they're smart, right. at least there right. are people who do, but if they're <laughs> smart, they share the three highlight reel shots and you're watching the highlight reel. Um, this discussion of composition really leads perfectly into today's image. Before we get into today's image, a couple of quick notes. First of all, again, you can see this podcast. It is a video podcast in your podcast app if it supports video. Just search for Behind the Shot and there will be one called Behind the Shot Dash Video. There's also an audio only version that you can get again wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also go to the website, which is BehindTheShot.tv and all the subscribe links for video or audio only are there. If you want, if you're not a podcast listener and you want to watch the show over on YouTube, you can do that as well. Please do head down, hit the subscribe button hit like, tell your friends, do all of that type stuff that we we know and love. And last but not least, thanks to DVE Store for the HD video. Visit dvestore.com for all of your digital video equipment needs. And the last thing I want to tell you about, because this just kind of got locked in, what, the day or so before I am recording this, I am going to be doing another workshop for Princeton Photo Workshops. It's going to be in April of 2022, and you can find all the information at PrincetonPhotoWorkshop.com. And by the way, if you're looking for gift ideas, Princeton Photo Workshop does have gift certificates, so it's a great idea for the, uh, for the photographer in your life. Let's talk about this photo for a minute. This picture, when you and I were picking the picture, I... There's there's something inside of me when I have guests on that are really, really well known for genre A. A lot of times people just expect, oh, you know, David Bergman, they're going to talk about a Bon Jovi shot. And it's like, I don't want to do that. So with David, I did a portrait that he did. You're well known for your live music in Aerosmith. I'm like, I, I want to do something different. And we talked about doing humanity. And then I browse through your your stuff. And I found this. And instantly this shot moved me on on a number of different levels i mean it's hard to explain a it still touches on your music background because it's steven tyler mm -hmm. 
but it's not a music shot. It's not a live on stage behind the scenes music shot. It's a it's an intimate, lovely portrait of Stephen and his other half, Amy. Amy's last name is Preston. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. So Stephen Tyler and Amy Preston. And when I first saw this shot, it 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 resonated with me. It's funny. We were talking earlier about ignore the noise. We were talking earlier about those classic shots. This to me radiates classic black and white portrait. Thank you. I want to I want to get deep into it here in a minute, but first let's start with the technical stuff. Exif data showed that you shot this aperture priority. Is that how you normally shoot on the street? Oh, um, or for portraits? Depends on the light. If it's overcast, pro aperture priority I, I, I love. Um, on a normal day, sunny day, especially now. Oh, now, now I've been shooting uh, in manual so much more because I have a a Canon R five now, and oh. just that experience of of that wonderful electronic viewfinder and being able to really like see things as you manipulate is 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 really great. Um, but still, like you know, it's been kind of cloudy here in Los Angeles, so. Uh, you know, in the past couple of days being out on the street, I was, I was uh, enjoying the, the luxury of aperture priority. So um, this shows is at one two fiftieth of a second. Yes. F 1.4. Yep. Okay. And 6,400 ISO, I believe. And, and 35 millimeters. So 6,400 yeah. ISO. Uh, this was on a Leica M10, we should say, with yep. a, a 35 1.4. Like you said earlier, go out with the 35. The, the, the 35.1.4 uh, ASPH FLE, which is uh, what I believe probably one of the greatest lenses ever made by man. Okay. So <laughs> metering on this showed as center weighted. So you're not using mm. like a matrix metering. It's auto white balance. All makes sense. So I, I've got a couple of questions on the, on the camera stuff itself. Um, mm. First of all, was this brighter out than I think? Because at F1.4, okay, you're getting a lot of light, but you were apparently getting, well, you had to go 6,400 ISO, but you went 250th as opposed to, you know, 3,200 and 1,125th. Was there a reason you right. chose this exposure? Well, now, now that I'm, yeah, now that I'm reminded that it was aperture priority, it was probably a matter of oh, that, having yeah, that's the true. camera. It, yeah. the, I probably had the camera set to say a, a minimum a uh, minimum shutter speed of 250 when okay. I was doing that. So I imagine that's why that occurred. Um, and I'm wondering now too, I, I, what I don't remember specifically is if I had manually set the ISO to 6,400 or if that even might've been on auto. Um, I'm thinking it might've been on auto. I'll um, tell you the the shot has that 6,400. I'm going to call it noise, but it sure doesn't look like noise. This is for all intents and purposes. This is film grain. The the Leica the Leica cameras the M10 um, even the Q the Q2 the the noise is not you know it's not always that that gross sort of red and green digital yeah, noise digital, that you would yeah. get with like a like a Canon um, so yeah it has a has a lot of um, grain characteristic to it film love it grain. love it so let me do this for those of you that are on the audio version of the podcast I'm going to describe this shot. And every single show I say it's really difficult, this one, and, and like I'm, I'm 
nervous. I'm going to miss something. This one I have been excited to tell you about since I saw the shot. It's a black and white portrait of Steven Tyler of Aerosmith, the vocalist for Aerosmith, and his other half, Amy Preston. It's portrait orientation, which I wouldn't have shot this portrait. I would have shot this landscape, and I would have been wrong because the portrait orientation here, you'll understand more as I described to you the position of the 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 two subjects in the picture. The portrait orientation here really adds to the intimacy. It, I would argue it's the strength of the photo is that it's portrait orientation. Fascinating to me because I would not have made that choice and I hate myself for it. They're on a sidewalk. It's at night. It is pouring rain. And when I say pouring rain, I don't want you to think, oh, it's raining. I want you to think they are drenched, right? They're, again, they're on the sidewalk. And if you can picture Zach standing in the middle of the sidewalk of a city, aiming down the sidewalk so that the left and right side of the sidewalk form those leading lines that we talked about before. And that sidewalk disappears. Like you can see the left leading line against the building that's on the left. The right side would be the street. I think there's a bush there on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can see that sidewalk go to the vanishing point just about where their shoulders are. So you've got leading lines leading literally right up to their face. Both of them are leaning in. So Amy is on the left side, which is where the building is. And the building is all lit up with nighttime lights. Stephen is on the right side. They are both leaning in to be able to kiss each other or you know, to, to, to get closer to each other. Amy's umbrella is not open. It's closed and she's using it like you would picture somebody in London on a cloudy day as almost like a cane. She's she's holding the handle, the top of the, the umbrella is upside down on the ground and she's holding the handle as she leans forward and it's between them. No intersection with her body, which again adds to it. If it intersected with her in any way, it would take away from it. Steven's umbrella is open. It's over his right shoulder, but not over them. Like it's as he leans in, the, the umbrella goes backwards and they are fully in the rain being drenched. And here's the thing I mentioned on that, that portrait orientation crop is tight left and right, not touching them leaves enough room that they have room to breathe. The bottom crop is just above the knees. The top crop is just above Steven's umbrella. And again, it's black and white, very contrasty, very grainy like film. And I, I say on this show all the time about music photography that it's all about the moment. I, I don't care if a shot's you know a little soft. What it's all about the moment. This is all about the emotion, and I would argue, and I want to know what you say about this. Color would have been a huge distraction here. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. It just it would have yeah it, it yeah it would have washed it out. It, it did wash it out. I mean, this was you know initially a color it's a digital photograph so it was color and i converted it um it just it seemed like the thing to do it it so works man it just so works thank you i I, we talked about gear i have to touch on gear a little bit because you're i know a couple people uh, my buddy steve rose also shoots who by the Mm. way folks if you don't follow steve rose you should follow steve rose he's journey's tour photographer um steve is a leica fan and so many people love their Leica. What is it about the Leica? Ooh, the age-old question. Well, it's that it's so expensive. No, 
Um, yeah, well, yeah. I was I actually talking I, about By the this. way, I hope it's weather sealed. It's not. Really? No, it's very, it, yeah. Um, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, I, you know, I wanted to sing the praises of the M10 in that lens for their, uh, you know, it's not supposed to be weather sealed. You're supposed to be very sort of mindful of, you know, maybe a light mist is okay, but do not let it be in the rain. And I had not intended for that. Um, this was the 4th of July. I was in my hotel. I was out uh, on the road photographing Stephen. He was doing a, his solo touring uh, with the band Loving Mary. And we were in Chicago. I was in my hotel room. It was early evening and my phone rang and it was Stephen. And they told me they were going to go down to um, the lakeshore to watch fireworks. And uh, we did that. I went and met them and uh, the three of us and um, uh, our friend uh, uh, James Sugarcane, uh, who uh, works for Stephen, or the four of us, we walked down and we watched fireworks and it was a beautiful night. And then right at the very end of the fireworks ceremony, just like, I mean, in a matter of minutes, this storm rolls in. And, you know, because it was, we were just going to go walk around the city. I didn't know I was going to shoot anything. I grabbed the Leica. You know, I had my, my Canon cameras, my sort of uh, workhorse bodies, you know, 1Ds with 24 to 70s and 70 to 200s, all that. No, I just, you know, I grabbed the Leica and the 35 because it was, you know, who knows, going out on the street was my street camera. And we get caught in this deluge, this, this just. I mean, it was just pissing, uh, as you can see in the photo. I mean, we, we oh. all of us were soaked to the bone. Uh, and yeah, I, I, the, the, you know, the camera was absolutely soaked and it was fine. <laughs> wow. Was, but the, the, the Leica thing, I was speak, I was talking to my brother about this yesterday. He is a, a photographer. He uses Leica, um, the M10 and, and the Q2 specifically. Uh, and there's something about the the tactile nature of, of using a Leica, especially an M camera, because it just you know you you hold it in your hands and it, it's clearly it clearly clearly comes from a different time when things were made to a certain uh, standard, you know, and it's heavy and it's you know nowadays you can you can make a camera that's that's just as sort of strong and stalwart, but uh, you don't need to use the same materials that they use to make a Leica M camera, like, you know, brass and all this and right. and the things that give it that weight and that heaviness. And something, you know, there's just this, everyone spends so much time obsessing over, you know, the things that contribute to, you know, image quality and, and megapixel count and dynamic range and, and uh, you know, high ISO noise performance and et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, uh, but, you know, I don't feel like a lot of people really talk about, you know, how much joy a certain camera can can bring to you just to be using it, you know, and the which like can, is, yeah, it, which can change the result of the pictures. Abs yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and so many people say, you know, like, 
you know, it's, it, it, you know, the, the camera doesn't matter. The gear doesn't matter. And to an extent that's true, but I do not believe that to be the case entirely. Like, no, it is very important. If, if, a, if a camera makes you excited to use it, um, th- that's very important. And you mentioned, like you mentioned ha- the EVF on the R5. When I got my oh, yeah. R5 replacing my 5D Mark IV and I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's EVF, whatever. And then I went and shot my first show with it. Right. And it, it, it's it's kind of like one of those things that, again, stops the burnout type thing is that suddenly yeah. you're excited to pick the camera up. You're excited to make art. And that that outlook comes through your right. art. Right. Th- this photo, was this, was this candid or was this posed? Candid. So they just did that and you just happened to be there to catch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> wow. You, you then, you are lucky and blessed in so many ways, I'm guessing, because this stuff, this, this shot would never happen in front of me. I feel like this is, this is a golden moment pose. And again, it's, it's reminiscent almost of an old black and white film director where you have this moment in oh, the pouring wow. rain, but the but the umbrella isn't over them because they don't care. It's all it's so much. When you Thank are you. working with again, not a live music shot, but when you're working with celebrities like this, mm. when you do have to either shadow them and catch that moment or pose them, are there if 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 you were to tell somebody else that was getting started in that. Are there gotcha, you know, moments that people should be aware of, like, hey, don't do this or be aware of this as you're shadowing somebody at, at this level? That's a good question. I mean, at this point in time, you know, shadowing them, you know, it's it's just I was lucky enough to be, you know, we're, we're all very good friends um, and, you know, they're very comfortable with me. And I'd say that, you know, what's so important is that, you know, if you are going to shoot somebody like a celebrity or, or anybody really, um, you know, spend some time acclimating and, and showing them that you're, you're not this machine, this, you know, you're not a camera, you're a person and, 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 you know, talk to them, um, relate to them on a human level. I'd say that's, that's extremely important. Um, you know, whenever I go and, and photograph people, you know, I, 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 I often am tasked with going to shoot celebrities, uh, you know, maybe they're getting ready for an award show or something like that. And the, the designer will have me go and, and photograph them. But, you know, it's the window of time sometimes is 45 minutes, but a lot, a lot of the time, the window of time I have is, is five and minutes and less. And I still, make it a point to at least spend a few moments just asking, you know, how are you? Like, no, really. Right. How are you? Okay. You so know, that's a good, this that- is weird. This is all very weird, you know, and you know, they, that disarms people. Um, if you acknowledge the absurdity inherent in what you're doing. Point out the elephant in the room as it were. Right. So yeah. is there, is there a go-to line? And again, Many people that watch this show, and I, I mean, I've I've photographed celebrity, and and sometimes it's easy, 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've had times where I just mentioned the Magic Castle, for example, and mm-hmm. someone will go, what? I haven't been in, tw- you know, that type of a thing. Yeah. Other times, however, there are celebrities that are, that are I don't want to use the word difficult because it's not that the celebrity's difficult. It's that it's just a more reserved celebrity, which makes it more difficult for me. Mm-hmm. When you run across the scenario where you're photographing somebody, whether it's, you know, something like this posed or something like this candid or a studio shot or something like that, is is there is there a go-to topic you breach? Like, hey, you know, I loved your last album or or you know, you were great in this movie, or is it, you know, have you tried the pizza around the corner? How do you, how do you find uh, that commonality in other words? Well, you know, I, you know, if I, a lot of the time I don't know who I'm going to be shooting, uh, until I'm there. If I have the luxury of knowing who it is, I'll do a little research. Um, you know, but, uh, I usually, (laughs) I'll usually just, uh, kind of, you know, maybe make fun of them a little bit. Uh, or, or just act in an absurd manner, uh, like, uh, you know, say something like, just so you know, you're the last sort of semi-professional I, I intend to work with, you know, or something to that degree. And that usually just some people will actually take it seriously for a moment. And then I have to be like, no, 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 no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I, uh, it, you know, it, it depends. And it's, it's just, it's this energy exchange in, in you you just have to, uh, I, I, I feel like I've been told that I have an ability to sort of, uh, sort of chameleon with people and, and I can sort of, um, God, it's an old psych, you know, I found out after I was aware that I, I was doing it, that it's some kind of, um, psychological, uh, tactic called, uh, personality mirroring, I believe. Uh, that's taught in business school and uh, where you sort of try to mimic the person in a way that makes them comfortable because they feel like they're talking to themselves. In, in, in martial arts, we tend to call that blending. You blend with them. Yeah. Oh, you're a martial artist? Yeah. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. That's so that- blending. So like be like water, my friend. Well, it's 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 moving with them, as opposed to against them. I actually liked your idea though of make a joke out of it. Again, recognize the elephant in the room and just you know play on it. Th- this this particular shot, the lighting. Did you add any lighting here? No, no. So this is all natural. Okay, so let me try and guess it. Clearly, the building on the left is bright, lit up, outdoor lights. I'm guessing that's mostly what is lighting. Steven's face. Yes. Yeah. There is a little bit of light on his ear and cheek that's facing us. And it kind of mirrors what's on Amy's face. Was there a street light to the right? I don't know. There was some kind of great fill that was happening though. (laughs) I wish I could. Yeah. Cause there's, you would think if it was just the building, there'd be these super dark shadows, but it's so even it's almost like you held a reflector up on the one side. I know. I think that there must have been something kind of over behind me to the left or even that what maybe another storefront that was there. 
um, because those lights coming that you can see up in the upper left corner were real hot. It was right. uh, it was a big like H and M or something like that type store, um, and uh, yeah, that's where you're getting that light on his forehead and his eyes and that that little bit on his so upper left cheek and on the back of the umbrella. Which, by the way, yeah, I just thought about this. The light inside. When I say the back of the umbrella, it's inside, but the top of the umbrella because it curves over him is dark. But behind his back, the inside of the umbrella is lit up, which gives subject separation of him against the black umbrella. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so when you're looking through the viewfinder, what are you thinking about the composition on this? I mean, were you just snapping? Were you were you were you aware of that sidewalk leading line where it disappeared on them? The building? What? No, I do. Rem I do remember being fully aware of the opportunity that was there for, for a couple moments. And I remember really trying to slow down and get it. And when you're, you know, and you know, it was night, but we're on the city street. So it's not total, it's not total darkness, but focusing with the, um, with a Leica, with a rangefinder, you know, uh, and, and, you know, where zone focusing works so well for certain things. Um, I, I put the focus patch in the rangefinder right over their faces and really made sure I got it right on. Uh, so I definitely took my time as, you know, in the couple moments that this was occurring and, wow. you know, they were like that for a few seconds, but it was just like, okay, uh, get this. Don't, don't miss it. Yeah. See, and, that's, the, you just echoed what would have been in my head. Don't yeah. miss this shot. Please God, <laughs> don't, don't yeah. miss this shot. <laughs> when you bring it back, what software do you use for processing? Uh, Lightroom. Okay. What would you have done to this image other than convert, just convert, say, go black and white? Well, this one, I, 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 I you know, I put it into Lightroom. I, um, and then I think I did do some additional work in Photoshop, uh, a, some dodging and burning, because I prefer to do that in Photoshop over Lightroom. Well, Lightroom's good for some quick stuff. Um, and I know I did. I know I burned some of the darker parts of the image to help the contrast. And um, but uh, yeah, no, I would you know something like this convert to black and white, whether it was either using a preset that I like as a sort of starting point. And, um, you know, my, my, my tastes and my formula changes so often. Um, nowadays I edit photos much differently than I, uh, I did back then, which was, this was 2000. And I will, I will say the, the other thing that just hit me was, I don't know what real colors these were, but as we both know, Converting to black and white, some colors, you know, that you think in your eye, it's a darker color. But when you convert to black and white, it's a light gray. The colors that they were wearing really worked well Yeah, for, for a black and white conversion. It's like they handed it, you know, they, it's like they left the building going, you know what? Zach's probably going to shoot this and convert it to black and white. Let's wear this. <laughs> Just really... Again, right. Her white shorts, his white and black shirt, the vest. And I think yeah. her shirt was the white and it was like blue with those white stripes, I think. Um, Just so works. It so works. So again, beautiful image. 
Thank Is there you. anything about this image I didn't ask that I should have? No, I mean you you really uh, you really drank it in. Um, you're pointing out things that I had not even. It's, it, it is. I, I'm, uh, and I'm not saying this because you're on the show. I said it to my wife. One of the my favorite black and white portraits I've ever seen. It's, it, I really dig wow. this shot. It's fantastic. So thank you so much. Speed round time. Okay. Answer these as fast as you can when they. Uh, that doesn't mean speak fast, but you know, just whatever first pops into your head. Uh, what is your top portrait photography tip? Find the light, find good light. Okay. I'm going to guess that it's going to be the same answer, but what's your top event photography tip? Oh, top like the event red carpet photography stuff you clip? Do. Oh, you broadcast, broadcast a vibe that makes the people in the space, make the people in the space want to be photographed by you. Otherwise, you're just a creepy guy with a camera. Right. It's funny, I, I just had an event job at Staples Center that I had to shoot. And part of me in my head was in concert mode because I'm at Staples Center and I'm thinking, you know, hide mm. in the corners, but it's a VIP suite. Mm. And I'm, and it, it instantly switched to that where mm. I'm talking to the people and I had people coming up to me going, hey, do you need a picture with this poster? I'll pose with it. That get you. What's there your you top go. music photography tip? Man, I love watching you think. It's awesome. <laughs> Top music photography tip. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is that you should love the. It, it, it's not always the case, too, because we're we're professionals. Sometimes you got to go shoot things that you're not a fan of. But ideally, it would be to to be a fan of the music. Um. And also. Shoot, shoot the whole band. Shoot the other members of the band. They're important too. Yeah. Uh, my, my favorite subject to this day is drummers. Uh, oh, I yeah. can photograph drummers all day long. Really? Jason Bonham in front of me and I'm, a, I'm oh, an yeah. absolutely happy camper. Yeah, uh, it's fun. What's your favorite drink? Whoa. Favorite drink? Oof. Diet Coke. <laughs> for the <laughs> I'm sorry to those of you that are on the audio version. So what I just held up was a large Del Taco Diet Coke. People who know me know that I literally live on Diet Coke. Um <laughs> like literally live. I, the other night <laughs> I can't, I shouldn't say this. I'm going to sound like an absolute idiot. The other night I had like 3 cans and I'm like, "Huh, I got to go to the, I got to go to the store. I got to buy a 12 pack." Um Oh, that was me. You're telling my Yeah, you were you watching me? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh any musician that's still on your photo bucket list? Oh God, McCartney. Ooh, um, the Stones. Did you watch um, Get Back? Billie Eilish finished it last night. Finished it the night before last, and it's fascinating. I'm going down a rabbit hole. I'm sorry to everybody, so that you know, this is going to be a long episode, okay? Because I'm not cutting any of this out. It was interesting because I've seen some people complain, oh, it was so long and complain. so dragging. Oh, and I'm God like, sake. okay, here's the deal. They they wrote an album of iconic songs in 30 days in front of you. And the noodling and the playing and the dynamic that you saw between people who at times weren't even getting along and yet that energy 
came out in the songs, the process, um, the interaction with with Glenn. Uh, the the ending was fantastic with the roof. It just, I mean, truly, I think it's the it's the I think it's the greatest film I've ever seen. I mean, it's most certainly the greatest documentary I've ever seen. But you know, it, it's I mean, Peter Jackson and the editing that went into that, um, the editor, and I, I, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head right now, but like they, what they accomplished after the restoration that took place of the, of the footage and the audio. 16 I mean, that, millimeter that, film being brought up to 4k. Right. I think it took them four years. They were doing frame by frame by hand. I mean, that's just like, I mean, you talk about a labor of love and, you know, there's so many things that occur from watching that, how it humanizes them. But at the same time, you know, I knew Paul McCartney was a paragon of songwriting. But now I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure he was like a god or is a god. <laughs> it, it, like To watch him and how he just channels this from somewhere and he can't stop. And, um, and those those slow spots in between, to me, those were the frosting, right? Oh, yeah. Those, those were the connective tissue of they're screwing around and suddenly, boom, they're back into trying to figure out let it be. Just, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to the – those of you here for photography, we've just changed the topic of the show. Um, <laughs> is there – it just if you haven't seen it, really, it's on uh, – what is it? Disney Plus? Disney it Plus. really is worth signing up for Disney Plus to watch that because oh, it, it's it really is. well done. Um, so is there any photographer that you think more people should know about? Oh. Any photographer I think more people should know about? That's a good question. Um, gosh, there are a lot. It's almost like you have to pick a, a genre. Um like one person that people should really go hit the follow button on. Oh, man. There's this portrait, there's this photographer that I don't even know how I found them. It's the first thing that comes to mind. And and I think they have a, a, a decent following. I'm not even sure what their actual name is. Their handle is... is Kes K E K E S G L yeah Kes Glozier K E S G L O Z I E R they're based in England and they do portraits I believe on film exclusively of um, skinheads and I mean skinheads in the traditional sort of sense before it was uh, sort of um, appropriated by uh, far right nationalists the right. the early uh, a scene and and the, the they, they have this incredible fashion sense and um and you know there's still plenty of them around does these incredible portraits of them and then you know they're not not well known but ryan uh muirhead a portrait photographer that shoots ex exclusively on film i've been a big fan of for a very long time um alan schaller uh street photographer based in england shoots okay. all black and white amazing i'll, I'll um, make sure i put links to all three of those in the show notes either down below 
or over at the website BehindTheShot.tv. And again, if you're watching on video, lower thirds are popping up under Zach as we're talking. But if you go over to uh, uh, the website BehindTheShot.tv, find this episode. I wrote a little bit about Zach, and then I've got all the links there. All the links are also below on on uh, YouTube. If people want to find you, what's your website? Website is uh, zwhitford.com. And what about socials? Uh, I'm on Instagram, pretty active on Instagram. It's uh, at zach.whitford. Okay. And then I also took a moment to look up Facebook, Twitter, Vimeo. I think YouTube too, you've got a channel. Uh, it's just Z Whitford on all of those. And yeah, Facebook, I kind of, I don't really use anymore. I, I, I It's a little too toxic for me. Uh, I abandoned but, it um, a year and about a year and a half ago. And I'm way better for it. <laughs> you see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Deleted That's, it from I'm all the I'm glad to hear it. it. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just like my people that my mom knows arguing with each other on there, you know. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, YouTube, uh, Vimeo, I, you know, in the past year, I, I started filming a lot of things. Um, not on Vimeo, that's where those things live. So, but thank you for mentioning. Yeah, that. believe me, it's absolutely my pleasure. Zach, thank you so much for doing this. Thank uh, you. Can't say thank you enough. Really, really appreciate it. If you want to find Zach, if you want to find his links, head over to the website. It's behind the shot. Dot TV. And again, all the subscription links are there as well and all the past episodes too. And if you want to follow me, it's stevebrazzle.com. Or if you want to hit me up on social media, Twitter and Instagram, the podcast is at Behind the Shot TV. Uh, my personal one is at Steve Brazzle. It's like the country Brazil, but two L. So feel free to head on over there and check that out. If you're watching on YouTube, please do head down, hit subscribe, hit like, hit all the buttons. Nothing's going to blow up. You're welcome to hit whatever you want down there. Uh, this is Behind the Shot. Please make sure you join us next time when we take a look inside a photographer's mind by taking a closer look behind the shot. Behind the Shot.